Hi, this is Christopher Framberg and I'm one of the pastors in SOS Church Stockholm. We are an international Pentecostal church on Kungsholmen with celebrations in both English and Swedish. Our vision is to be a church that is for all people and to all nations that are living the Book of Acts kind of life in Stockholm and to the ends of the earth. We hope that this week's message will challenge and equip you to live a strong life together with Jesus. And early this, this week I was over in Norway. We had a break from our Bible school here in Sweden. I was visiting a Bible school in Norway uh, and we had so good time teaching three days about uh, the Holy Spirit and baptism in the Holy Spirit and so on. Um, and it was so much fun. And when, when I was there, I, was, I just remembered last year when I went to the same Bible school. Uh, I was going there a Tuesday morning uh, and I should start to teach in Norway like 9 o'clock. That means that I had to leave from Sweden very early. So I convinced my friend Leo here that was playing the guitar today to come and pick me up four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> four o'clock in the morning taking me to the airport. And my old car, an American car, a Ford, never buy a Ford, I'm just telling you. <laughs> I'm just telling you. <laughs> maybe you should, maybe you should buy a, a newer one than I had. It, it broke down and I borrowed my dad's car. Uh, that was a diesel car, okay? Remember diesel car. <laughs> So, so I, I picked Leo up, uh, I was driving towards the airport, he should take the, take the car home after. And as I was driving, I saw that I was running low of gas. Uh, so I decided, let's, let's go in and, and fill up before, before I, uh, I, I leave the car to Leo, because maybe he will fill it with the wrong kind of fuel. Maybe he will fill it with gasoline and it's a diesel car. So, so quickly I just turn, turn in, I, I, I stopped by a gas station, I jumped out, I was filling up my car and in the midst of me filling up the car, I realized that me myself took the wrong one. I was like, oh no, I stopped, I've been filling half of the car with, with uh, what do you say, petrol or, or, or normal, do you say petrol? Petrol, benzene and it was a diesel car. And I was like, oh no, and I have to catch the flight. And I jumped into the car. I was praying to God that everything should go fine. And, and I was driving again. I told, told my friend Leo, I said, please, can you Google search and see if we are in problem? <laughs> and, and, and we didn't find the right answer that everything was fine. So we decided, okay, let's call the kids pastor in the church that is an old car mechanic. So I called him five o'clock in the morning. Hey bro, what, what's up? I'm sleeping, that's what's up. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Please, uh, can you help me? I, I'm, I'm, I, I was filling with the wrong, I, I was filling my diesel car with, with, uh, with benzene. Is it then a problem? I was like, bro, it's a big problem. <laughs> it's a really big problem. I was okay, I just have a, a couple of kilometers to drive. I was like, bro, you have to stop that car. But we made it all the way to the airport. <laughs> I stopped the car and, and, and I was thinking, what should I do now? I can't just leave Leo here. In a, he's from Switzerland, you know, in a foreign country with a car that doesn't start. So I decided to call someone else in this church. Tommy Hamrien, some of you know him. He can fix almost everything, you know. I think everything actually. So I called him and I said, Tommy, what should I do? <laughs> And, and he, I, he, was, he was up, he was already up working or something. 
Uh, and, and he said, you know, he was coming to maybe come and pick the car up. And we had a lot of different solutions. And then he said, but maybe you have insurance on it. And then I had to do what I didn't want to do. I had to call my dad. Okay. <laughs> I could have called him from start, but I, I, I really didn't want to call him. <laughs> so I called him. I confessed what I had done. Uh, and thank God, thank dad, thank the insurance company. We had insurance. So they came and picked the, picked the car up. And they were repairing it and everything was, was fine. I could go on the flight and Leo was waiting a couple of hours in <laughs> fighting with, with the one that was protect. You know, like you can't park there. We were parking in a zone where you were not allowed to park and they were really upset. <laughs> so he was fighting with him for a couple of hours and I was flying over to Norway. You know, sometimes we just need help, right? We try everything we can to be fine by our own. Uh, but sometimes we just come to the point, I just need help. I just need to call someone and say, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to solve this situation. Please help me. We don't want to come to that point, but it always happens. Uh, you know, I think that God created us uh, so that we would need help from other people. The, the moment you are born... I have never heard about any newly born, you know, jumping out from his mother, landing on the feet, getting dressed and, and go for a meal. You know, you have never heard about such a newborn baby. <laughs> I don't hope so at least. The baby needs help from start. A, a child, even three, four, five years old, need a lot of help. I have three of them. <laughs> three. They need a lot of help. Help with food, help with clothes, help with all kind of things, help to understand the world. I actually had, had this kind of conversation with, with, with my son the other day. You know, we, we, we recently got our third one. And she's a small baby. And my, my son started to think. He's thinking a lot and asking a lot of questions. So I was like, Dad, ev everyone is a baby from start, right? Yeah, ev everyone is a baby. Okay. Even Jesus? Yeah, Jesus was a baby from the start. Okay. What about the doctors? Yeah, the doctors was a baby. <laughs> okay, but the, the mammoths, is the mammoths a baby? <laughs> yeah, the mammoths doesn't really exist anymore, but they, they were probably a baby, yeah. Okay, what about the trees? Yeah, sort of. <laughs> but not the house, huh? No, not the house. The house was never a baby. <laughs> You know, like, they try to understand the world, <laughs> and, and we just need to try to help them, <laughs> or fool them. It's fun too, okay? <laughs> then teenagers. I think teenagers need a lot of guidance. What to do, and maybe even more what to not do. <laughs> don't do this. Adults, um, we think that we don't need so much help, but sometimes we, we fill the car with the wrong kind of fuel, and we need help, okay? And then the old people, they, it's almost like back to basics. You start over again. Diapers, someone feeding you, you know, someone doing everything for you again. God created us with a need of help. Today I'm going to preach about standing on someone, someone's shoulders. Standing on someone's shoulders. And I think this pitch explains it good. A lot of people standing on someone else's shoulders to reach further. Um, in, in the Bible, it's written in, in Exodus 3 and 6. 
when God is speaking to Moses he says that I am the God of your father the God of Abraham the God of Jake, Isaac and the God of Jacob at this Moses hid his face because he was afraid afraid of looking at God uh, God is a God of generations our life is a life when we're standing on someone else's shoulders uh, physically but also spiritually in our life together with God uh, we can't make it by ourselves. we just need help from someone else uh, God is the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob uh, God told this to Moses like 400 years after why because there is there is something when when one generation been walking faithfully with God and and just notice that he still says I am not was I am the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob God continues through all, all generations when you end your life here on earth you don't really end it you, you just step over to the other side of eternity and you continue living with God uh, so there is something when an older generation is finishing the race with God and continue to live with God that gives faith and hope to a new generation. God is bigger than, than us. God is bigger than our minds. God is bigger than our churches. God is bigger than our visions. We want to live with a vision of God and the promise of God and what God is doing. In, in Matthew Matthew 16 and 18 there is some some verses here I've been preaching about many times and I I love so much but I I just had to bring them in here too uh, Jesus is telling Peter like this he says that I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound on heaven and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Johannes, our founder, the founder of this church, he is often saying that Jesus is building his church and we are making disciples. We are leading people to salvation, we are baptizing people and Jesus is building his own church. You know if 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 you've been in in a church for a long time you can almost feel like i'm building the church if you've been pouring out your life your finances your time in a church for a long time you almost feel like i'm i'm holding the church i am so needed here but it's not true it's not really true because jesus is building his church and when we are joining in it's our greatest privilege we don't carry the church the church is carrying us my life's biggest blessing and my family's biggest blessing is to serve the church because i know that when we are serving in a church we are under protection we are connected we are living close to the heart of god because because the church is really his bride okay it's his bride it's it's not ours bride it's not your bride it's his bride is his bride it is his body it is his family it is his church so he is building it and for us it's just a privilege to join in be part of serving in in what God is already doing and 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 God told Jesus told Peter that, that I will give you the keys and whatever you bind bind on earth will be bound in heaven and so on and when you have the keys to a place you can almost feel like you're owning the place right 
You can come in to every door. You can go to the refrigerator and take whatever you want. And I mean, you have access all over. But the thing is with the church is that you don't own the church. This is you. You are this guy. You have the keys. You are a janitor. You can go around and clean and fix some things. But you're not the owner. You have just received the keys from the owner. So you can care, care about it for a while, fix it for a while. And then someone else can step in and, 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 and fill that position. Um, I'm going to preach today about... Okay, here we have one more picture about generations. Where generations. We have one family in the church, maybe more families, but one family. They have four generations serving in the church. Isn't this a beautiful family? Uh, and, and our God is a generational God. He's, he's giving the promise to generation, to the next generation, to the third generation, to the fourth generation. Often what God starts in one generation will not be finished in that generation, but in another uh, we will go to Genesis 12 and verse 1 and we will study something out of the life of Abraham. Are you ready? So God is now coming to Abraham and he says that leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All families on earth will be blessed through you. Can you imagine this promise? Abraham, an ordinary man, a bit old, can't have children. Now God, creator of heaven and earth, is coming speaking to him. And it's not like, I'm with you, I love you. No, it's more than that. I am going to bless you. And whoever blesses you, I will bless. And whoever curses you, I will curse. Without a word, I, I'm going to tell you, know, I'm going to bring you. I'm going to care for you in a very, very special way. And he's giving him this small promise that many of us never received. I will make a new nation out of you. I mean, that's, that's a huge vision. I'm taking you and making a new, new nation out of you. And I'm giving you a new territory where you and your descendants is going to live forever. And all people, all people on earth will be blessed through you. I mean, it's not a small vision. Can you imagine Abraham standing there and having God speaking to him like that? Woo! <laughs> you know, that feeling. And, and Abram, he can't wait to start. He's packing, packing his, I don't know how you pack the animals, but he's bringing the animals, packing his stuff, and they go off to this new nation. And he's coming into this nation, walking around, just feeling like, wow, this is my place. And then he meets the people living there, like, no, this is our place. <laughs> no, it's my, God has promised me. What God didn't tell Abram is that he was going to live in tents, for the rest of his life. Someone like hiking? Can you imagine to live in a tent without sleeping? I, I don't know how to sleep, but probably without sleeping bag for the rest of your life. And your children is going to inherit those tents. 
keep on living in those tents and 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 I'm I mean your grandchildren will have this they're tempting for the rest of their life God didn't mention that in the promise or in the vision he didn't mention that your descendants is going to be slaves for 400 years he didn't mention it but it was coming he didn't mention that after 400 years God was going to to raise up a new leader because the vision hadn't died the vision hadn't died he was going to raise up a new leader with the same promise and saying the same thing that I'm going to bring you into this nation and he was going to deliver the people and they were going to walk through the, the sea and be be taken out of slavery and they were going to walk through the desert into this new land and when he called his new leader Moses he didn't mention that you will live the rest of your life in the desert he just said you're going to take the people to the new land <laughs> you know like a small detail the rest of your life in the desert and by the way just before the people is entering the new land you will die I mean after after four years in the desert some few more days and they're entering it and he's dying he's standing up on the mountain he's seeing it from a distance and he's dying their vision didn't die with Moses, but Joshua, his assistant, was going to inherit the same vision. Okay, we go to Joshua 1 and 1. After the death of Moses, uh, the Lord's servant spoke to, to Joshua, uh, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Like if he wouldn't notice. He is his assistant. I mean, if someone know he was dead, it's Joshua. Now one million people, oh, everyone is coming to him. What should we do now? And he's the assistant. He don't know what to do now. So he pretend like nothing and God have to come and tell him he is dead. It's over. You have to lead the people. Okay, we, we continue to read it. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River and into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Can you see the same promise? What I promised Moses, what I promised Abraham, what I promised Isaac, what I promised Jacob is the same vision. Wherever you set your foot, uh, you will, um, wherever you set your foot, you will be on the land, on, on the land I have given you. From the Negev, let me see if I have to, okay. From, uh, from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates rivers in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will be with you in the same way. It was not really that Moses was so, so very special. It was that God was with him in a special way. It was that God had put his anointing and grace in a very special way upon his life that God had chosen him. And now I will be with you, Joshua, in the same way. Because it's my vision. It's my promise. The, the, the vision of Joshua was not the vision of Joshua. The vision of Joshua was not really the vision of Moses. And, and, and the vision of Joshua was not even the vision of Abraham. It was the vision of God. That's why it continued to live even when those servants was dead. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous. 
For you are the one who will lead his people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions, I, uh, instructions Moses gave you. And do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you'll be successful in everything you do. The vision is from God. In, in Isaiah 55 and 11, Isaiah is saying this. He says that it is the same with my word. I send it out and it will always produce fruit. It will accomplish all that I want it to. And it will prosper wherever I send it. The word of God will stand even when we don't stand. The promises of God will continue through generations down. And Joshua is now standing in front of the biggest test in his life. He is going to lead the people. Maybe up to one million people, maybe more, maybe less. And he's going to lead them into this land that they've been promised for, for, I mean, for so many hundreds of years. And he's going to take the leadership of the Moses that have been the leader of the people for so many years. Can you feel he's nervous? <laughs> okay, everyone. I'm the new leader here. I have a plan. I have a vision. You know, like... You need some boldness. So God is you know, constantly repeating, be strong and courageous. Because he was probably trembling with fear. Uh, but to be courageous, uh, courageous and bold is not the absence of fear. It is to face that fear and do it anyhow. It is to lead in the midst of your fear. It is to obey God even when you're trembling uh, because you fear God more than people, right? Uh, he was now going to have the biggest test in front of all of the people. He was going to, to have almost the same thing as, that Moses. When Moses was walking with the people through the sea. He is now going to walk through, with the people through the Jordan River. And God is telling him that, that, that you will send a priest in the front. And they will carry the ark of God. The presence of God. And when they put their feet in the river. The river is going to stop. You know like God is a little bit like... You know, he doesn't always make it so easy for us. It didn't stop before. It's going to stop when you go down. So can you see Joshua? All right, everyone. Let's pack our things. Let's bring our animals. Let's bring everyone. One million people in a long line. And in the, in the front, the priests are going with the ark. And, and, and the river didn't, you know, and people are is asking, are you sure God told you? Are you sure the river will stop? Yes, I am. I hope you know like he's not really sure and, and they're walking but as soon as they step down into the river it stops and I think Joshua is like thank you God and Joshua was tested in front of all the people and he was going to grow with favor and trust in front of in the eyes of all the people but I also think that he was growing in his own eyes he was becoming bigger in his own eyes. And, and just a couple of chapters after, God is kind of confronting him. If we go to Joshua 5 and verse, thir uh, verse 13, where, where they're just about to go into Jericho, the, the first city that they will try to conquer in, in the promised land. It's written like this. 
Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? I mean, it's, it's a good question. You see a man with a sword standing in front of you and you want to know, are you with us or with our enemies? Neither, he replied. Neither, he replied. He's kind of like, are you for us or against us? Neither. Okay, you don't really get Are you with us? Will you fight with us or against neither? And it's like strange. And, and then, then it's written, but, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. In the same way as Moses had to take off his sandals when he met with God. Now Joshua have to take off his sandals when he's meeting with his commander of the Lord's army, which is probably a, a, an image of Jesus Christ. If, if you're really going in and, and study the text. Uh, but anyhow, um, he says that, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither. Neither. We are never, it's, it's never that God is for us or for our enemies. It's really us getting behind God. It's really Joshua getting behind the commander of the Lord's army. Oh, I'm, I'm not for you or for your enemies, but if you want to, you can be together with me. You can join me because I have a vision. I have a plan. I have a task that I want to do. I want to give this land and I want to bless all people on earth through the promise I gave to Abraham. And if you want, Joshua, you can join me in what I'm about to do. But if you don't want, I will pick someone else. I will use someone else because my vision is bigger than you. My ways are higher than your ways. My vision is, is a vision that is going through generations. And I'm going to have this done either you are with me or not God is telling this to you you can join in in what God is doing why start a lot of project and say please God bless what I'm doing it's better to join God in what he is doing because then he's already blessed amen come on The vision that God has given our church is to be a church that is for all people, to all nations, to live a book of Acts kind of life in Stockholm and to the ends of the earth. That is the vision God gave us. It's not the vision of a man, it's the vision of God. He wants to accomplish something in Stockholm. He wants to accomplish something among the unreached people groups. God is about to do something and you can join in if you want to. And if you join in, it will be the biggest privilege of your life. It's not that you have to, you know. When I, I have some frustration. When I was in Norway teaching about baptism in the Holy Spirit, and I've been teaching for a day and I was preaching about it. And I, I should invite people for baptism in the Holy Spirit. Which is one of the biggest blessings you can ever receive. Someone asking, do I really need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit? And I'm like, if you need to, you don't need to be here at all. You don't need to do anything. But if you want to, you have the privilege of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, being filled with the power of God, receiving all of these blessings and all of these gifts, if you want to. 
do I really need to serve God? And for, no, you don't need to. But, but, but if you want to, there is a space for you where you can serve God, being protected, being blessed, having God, you know, walking with God in life, having everlasting life, having your sins free. If you want to, you are welcome to join in, okay? I I'm, I'm just have to get some frustrations out, okay? It's a privilege to serve God. His, his visions is bigger than our vision. We're joining in, in what He is doing. In Hebrew 11 and 8, it's written that, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac, Jacob, who were heirs with him to the same promise. Not a different promise, but the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who made, this, made a promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as stars in the sky, uh, stars in the sky and as countless as sand on the seashore. All these people were living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them on a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. We are foreigners and strangers on earth like them. God have a promise that He started with Abraham that all people on earth will be blessed. And He gave this promise because in the creation it, it, it was a separation happened. When the first human beings, Adam and Eve, was, was sinning, it became like a wall between God and man. And, and all men, ever since Adam and Eve, have been sinning. And we haven't been able to reach up to, to God that is a holy and perfect God. But God wanted to restore this relationship between himself and all humanity. And it started with Abraham. He'd been working through generations. And all people on earth is going to be blessed through that promise. Today there is around 2.2 billion people on earth confessing Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And this is spreading rapidly. Yes, it's worth the hand. 2.2 billion people that have been taking part of the promise that God was giving Abraham to start with. And people is coming to faith every, every day, all the time, all the time, all the time. In Galatians 3 and 13, it's written that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that is hanging on the pole. And you can wonder, what kind of a curse is this? It is the curse of, of losing connection with God. It is the curse, curse of not having fellowship with God. It's the curse of, of, of not being able to come into His presence. Jesus Himself took that curse and when he died on that cross he he paid a price for that curse it's written in verse 14 that he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to abraham might come to the gentiles through jesus christ 
so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Can we stand up together? You have been listening to a podcast from SOS Church Stockholm. If you want to know more about the church or have information about our Bible school and leadership academy, go online to soschurch.se. We hope to see you soon at a celebration here in Stockholm or at one of our daughter's churches in Gothenburg or Malmö. Have a wonderful week.